0: This will be the third video that I have done on Snow Bowl Capital, and it's going to be with uh, Taylor this time. And in essence, what I'm asking him is, as a hedge fund, how do they distinguish a 2x stock from a 50x stock so that they can get the kind of returns they need to be successful as a hedge fund? Uh, I think these are th- the three videos I made are th- three of the most informative and valuable videos that I've made in the last year and a half, because it gives us a direct insight into how hedge funds work. And we've got to recognize that they are becoming the best of traders. I want you to, to pick up on something he says, how Goldman Sachs can't buy many of the stocks that, that they buy for their clients because they're small and if if Goldman Sachs went and made a recommendation on them um they would in essence end up owning all the shares because the their their clients their subscribers would flood to that stock and eat up all the shares and Goldman Sachs would in essence own all the shares or their clients own all the shares that are out so you will find as he tells me. We play in a whole different field than the the uh, retail investors do because we go after those stocks that are going to give us a fifty x return. I want to at this point thank you I could have not i could not have had that these interviews if it hadn't been for you if it hadn't been. For the power of the tribe, the tribe is the 148,000 subscribers that I have. That that as a result opened the doors that allow me to get information and then to share that information with you. And the the power of the tribe is is in this book. This is the latest book that that I I, I I've written uh, with the assistance of one of my tra- tribe members. Colin. And so I want you to there's a there's a link to it in the description. If if you want to know what this whole movement is about, the best of us investors, read this book and become a member of the tribe. How do you do that? Sign up at bestofusinvestors.com and go there and you'll see it. So, let's get into this video where I ask uh, Taylor exactly, how do you distinguish a 2x stock from a 50x stock. I think this is extremely valuable. And listen to the some of the some of the nuggets that he drops and I will dissect this, this video and the other two videos in the coming weeks to give you some direction of where I'm going and where what I'm going to sell and what I'm going to buy based on the information that I've picked up from these. Okay, watch this.
1: Best of Us Investors presents Kerry Griegmeier.
0: Okay, Taylor, the backbone of your business is... You said you don't own the Teslas, the Apples, the Amazons. The backbone of your business is to distinguish a 2X company from a 50X company. How do you do that? And not, not, no, no, not how do you do it? How can I do it? How can they do it?
1: Not through money managers, uh, that's for sure. Wait a second, <laughs> not through money managers? Uh, I mean, whoa! <laughs> <We> just, uh, <laughs> I, I think we're a little different. and We're fund managers, but but if if you want to go to your to your local broker and ask them to put you in a diversified fund, and they're going to buy you ETFs and and maybe some Apple. Oh, but there's too much exposure to technology there, so we can't have that creep above thirty percent. I mean, what company isn't a tech stock these days, right? Then and so they have all these criteria, but. So if, I think a lot of people, maybe they discover this during the pandemic or, or whatever. Also, people are retiring and, and living for much longer. So I've, we've noticed that as well. But retail investors are actually being, are doing great research themselves. And I think people can do it at home. Uh, there's a reason that we're a young company, young people, and managing money, right? It's stuff that you can do yourself if you are targeting that kind of 50x growth. Obviously, that's much higher risk. But if you want just traditionally to, uh, you might as well just buy gold or, okay. or just oh. buy, you know, uh, here's something. What, in the past, there would be these uh, the safe investments, and that may be ExxonMobil or Kodak or right, no. Walmart, you know. So, but these days, I, I ask you, what is a safe investment? What company?
0: What company? I, I would say my big six, uh, and that would be Apple. Uh, Google, Amazon, Facebook, and IBM. What Amy Webb said are the big data companies.
1: And five years ago, or even still today, most people uh, traditionally in this space, in this industry of finance, uh, would, would say, no way. You can't. That's, those are tech companies. Those are, those are so sure. speculative, right? And I mean, some of these companies were very recently not profitable, Right. No. So how is it that people, you, if if you are talking about profitability, if you're talking about uh, valuation relative to other uh, comps, you know peers in the, in the space, uh, it, it's it no, things are no longer trading the way that they are supposed to or used to, right? So if you're looking for the two x company, then maybe that's going to be, and unfortunately sometimes it is a company like Alphabet or a company like Apple. You know, if if you mm-hmm. if you want to double your money in the next five years. Alphabet, Amazon, you know, probably maybe 3X, 4X. But if you're looking for the companies, and definitely you, you do need a lot of structure and you need to have that as well. You, you need yeah, to have some yeah. of those safer bets. But it's funny that the safer bets these days are ironically, what they would be thought of as very speculative just a few short years ago. Yes. So if you're looking really for, for the 50X companies, you do need to do your own research. It's not going to be out there in front of you And you you have to, something that that we do a lot is you read through earnings transcripts, earnings calls transcripts, or uh, you can also listen to a lot of them. And you can see deflection. You know, we have software that does this using artificial intelligence. You can see deflection. You can see sentiment on an earnings call. Sometimes there are so many earnings calls on the same night that Mm -hmm. we can't listen to all of them at the same time, but we do need to know what happened, right? So we use it for that, but also just to see, yeah, I think that was a good call. Or, ooh, I don't know. I don't like how how the CFO responded to that question. So that kind of stuff, if you're just good judge of character, you can sniff that stuff out as well. And if they're dodging on on a question that is very fundamental, ooh, why is that? Are they trying not to say that maybe they have a product in the pipeline? These are things that you're not going to be able to read in Bloomberg. You're not going to be able to read this stuff. Even reading transcripts can be difficult. I think you, you do need to... It's better if you just hear it live, right? Yeah. So... Earnings call transcripts are, are and earnings calls in general are very good uh, way. Uh, also, their presentations, print actually don't print, but uh, maybe on your iPad, uh, download the entire annual report from any company that you're thinking of, and you may find in sometimes the fine print that they that they're the uh, seatbelt supplier of this company. Uh, it's a very you know well known seatbelt supplier and. Oh, but I don't see that seatbelt supplier uh, in another company or an airbag company. Mm -hmm. I'm not saying buy the seatbelt company. I'm saying, know that this is not what you, you know, you want the the highest quality in that car's products. So something that we actually look into even are uh, what types of robots are in factories. And you can find these videos on YouTube. Right? You can see, oh, they're okay. using a, a Fanuc uh, robot and a KUKA robot. They're very expensive, but they're very precise versus mm-hmm. another company that's maybe using an ABB robot. And that's not so you don't have to be an expert in that stuff. But you can see, uh, again, like we said in the previous video, rates of automation are a really important uh, metric for us. Uh, financially, even things that you can see on Yahoo Finance, you could you could pull some of a lot of this data out. That is very fundamental, but something that we look a lot at is uh, research and development. So the research and development spend as a percentage of revenue. It's very simple. You can calculate it on a napkin. And and if if we see that that revenue is growing at, let's say, uh, 40% annually, and the revenue spend is also going up, so they're spending more on revenue, but it's not proportionate to how much the revenue is growing, then... Why aren't they that should be number 1. Your R&D spend if you are a company and you're looking to have a 50x, you know, okay. you're looking for a 50x company, R&D spend is key, right? okay. If Apple has a 20 billion dollar R&D budget and there are companies that they could acquire for that much, right? They then you have to start looking that way. So, I wait mean, wait a second. So, you're you're
0: saying if Apple's got a budget you're 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 maybe discounting the company because you you fear
1: that Apple is going to duplicate them and compete. With you them. have to you have to think about that certainly. So if, if we're talking we're just talking about telemedicine, right? Right. So a company like Teladoc, that if Apple spends that much, what Teladoc's valued at right now, similarly, mm-hmm. Teladoc's a little higher. But granted, this is for all of Apple's R&D. But let's say that Apple somehow broke down their R&D spend, or you can typically get a good sense of where where they're spending. Uh, Then yeah, that's typically an indicator that you should be out of the stock, or maybe it's complimentary. So a lot that statistic alone, that metric, the R&D spend, is really important, I think. And that's something that you want to see really high R&D spend. Not too high, though. I mean, you don't want them to just be throwing money and building a brand new uh, headquarters uh, every five years, Right, right? right? So you have to be... Definitely a, a company should be disciplined in that. You also mentioned to me off camera that you like companies where the
0: founder is
1: actively involved yeah. in the company. Founder-led. Uh, we even look at the average age of the board of directors. Um, you can find that in the annual report. Expand on that. Well, if, if you are a company like Tesla and the average age, I don't know off the top of my head, but let's say mm-hmm. it's 48 years old. Versus General Motors, mm-hmm. who the average age is seventy-two years old. You tell me who's going to be leading the future, right? No, and it's not just about age, of course, right. right? But but typically, if you want to have the leading people in the industry running the companies, if the CTO of a company is is a seventy-five-year-old person who was who was working, you know, if we're talking about a company like Tesla or GM, mm-hmm. right? Would you rather have the the CTO, the chief technology officer, be someone who, yeah, was working? For GM for forever, or yeah. they were they were at Boeing, and then they came, you know, and they, they're good at running a company, but just the technology part of it, or would you rather have someone who is, right, a, 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 one of the leading data scientists in the world, or one of the leading artificial intelligence researchers, uh, and you poach them from Carnegie Mellon versus another big auto company? Okay. You now, th- th- there's a difference in this, so again, if, if you're trying to find a company that has is a 50 xer then it's not going to be led by older people. Uh, and it also, sometimes, I know this sounds crazy, but if a company isn't even eyeing being profitable, especially uh, you know, a newer company, uh, like we were just talking about 23andMe, mm-hmm. or Didi Chuxing that's going to go public very soon, the, the Uber of China, except okay. significantly larger. Um, they, both of those companies, when, when asked about when they eye being profitable, they say that's not in our plan right now. We, we do not. And you're OK with that. I'm OK with that. That's, that's in fact, that's better because, I mean, how long was it that Uber was losing money on every single ride? Same thing with Tesla. Tesla was losing money on every single car. Or Amazon. Just a few quarters. 14 ago, right? years. Right? So that, you have to make some sacrifices as a company to really get into that sweet spot of that hockey stick curve of growth. And you're not going to do that by trying to appease, even pushing back an IPO the longer and longer. Sometimes that's actually very attractive because even though we would like to, you know, we're gnawing at the bit for it, mm-hmm. uh, it's it makes sense for the direction of the company. So that's why probably on our entire watch list of companies, it's over, you know, it's in the hundreds, uh, I'd say probably 30 to 40% of those companies are private companies. And some of them are really small. And so sometimes understanding the, the tiny companies that can, if they eventually grow into the larger companies, obviously that's great. But also, some of these companies they do merge and they're acquired, but that's I, we don't play that game. Uh, and that's just a, a kind of dangerous game to play, to be honest. Uh, but more importantly, if you can understand that, all right, there are three companies that are trying to make LiDAR, for example, you know, mm-hmm. the thing for autonomous vehicles spins around. Right, right. Uh, it doesn't anymore. But and there are three companies and they're all similarly funded, but Two of them are led by former Alphabet employees, and, and they've been at this for a while. And then one of them is led by a young, ambitious uh, person who didn't go to college because he didn't want to, you know, fall into the trap that he wouldn't learn anything that he couldn't already figure out himself. Right? There's a difference in those companies, uh-huh. and right now, you know, one of those companies is guess who? Right? is, yeah. is leading. So, and you mention can see that. the name. Well, I was actually just giving an example, but that, that one happens to be Luminar, Right. Uh, ticker Laser, L-A-Z-R. But, you know, so in, in that kind of space, it's a nascent space, right? We don't know much about it. It's hard to research that kind of thing. So how do you do your own research? Well, sometimes you can look at who's leading the round in these funding. You can see the stuff on crunchbase.com. You can see this. It's- On what? Crunchbase. Crunchbase. Crunch, for, yeah, for, for private funding rounds. You okay. You typically see a lot of this for free, even. Okay. Um, you can read about it, some of it. But you do definitely have to do your own research. Okay. And, and I just, I wouldn't trust a lot of the research on anyone. That's why no one really says this is going to be a 20Xer, 50Xer. You only find that stuff on YouTube uh, because no mm-hmm. one's confident right now enough to say in really the, the business space that this, yes, we are confident that this company will achieve a $4 billion, trillion market cap in the next three years. No, one, no one's saying that.
0: Let me ask you this, because this is something I'm trying to do. Um, I'm trying to get myself in a position where I can go and interview people, much as I'm doing here. And last week I interviewed the CEO of uh, of desktop metals and learned a lot from them. what what do you, do you do that? Do you call up a company and and you're 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 lucky you're in a community that it seems like every other building has a a a, a new and growing company.
1: Do you find them receptive? Yeah. So, here's why we're moving to China, because we were spending so much time. Your people are moving with you? We're moving you. our entire company to China. Okay. Yeah. Um, not forever, but for at least two or three years. Wow. And because if, if a significant amount of our holdings or even the technologies are in China, then we have to be there. We have to meet with these companies. And it just makes more sense to, to actually move there. Um, and because, if, again, if you don't experience it, if you just read about how this one app a Swiss army knife of all apps and you don't even understand it's like uber and Facebook and uh, you know and YouTube and Twitter all in one app but you don't actually use it every day and then you can also pay for groceries with it you can order medications through it Yeah, you can read about it but until you really understand how that impacts people's lives and and how many people are using it, okay. it it's, it's different right so but in terms of actually reaching out to companies yes uh, we companies typically are more receptive to uh, people in, in our industry, uh, but there are companies that are are toying with being more, especially on earnings calls, taking more retail analysts' questions. And, okay. uh So if, and there are, I mean, there are even companies that take questions from you, these YouTube financial analysts, mm-hmm. uh, and, and that's, the retail community is growing significantly, especially as it's so much easier for a lot of people to invest. They don't have to pick up the phone, even they can just do it on their app. Uh, so that's growing of course, but yeah, if you want to reach out to some of these companies, some of them give tours and you can most certainly, if you want to have a, a, you know, make a whole trip out of it, you could hit a bunch of companies in a certain area, you know, go to Silicon Valley and, and you can take your family and then just go and visit some of these companies. They're typically, the bigger they are, the less receptive they're going to be. Um, but yeah, it's definitely when you get to talk to, especially these founder led companies, that's just another level that is something that it's still founder-led. If it were like Tesla, it's not a founder-led company, of course, right? Mm-hmm. So, But Elon Musk still has that vision. There are exceptions. Same thing with Apple, as we talked about.
0: Yeah, Tim Cook. Tim
1: Cook, he, he's still, I would almost consider that a, a vision I would agree. Uh, or a founder-led uh, company. But if you have some of these other companies like Ford, where they have to keep getting CEOs just on rotation. Yeah. I mean, you really think they're going to innovate a lot? Probably mm-hmm. not. So yeah, understanding- the management of some of these companies is, is key. Uh, if you can talk to them, that's great. You can also just use their products. The more you use their products, obviously, you learn a lot about it. That's a Buffett rule. So, yeah, uh, yeah I think that, that the research is so dynamic these days, and it's so accessible. That's the other thing. You can just, yeah, and just 15 years ago, how would you look up the financials of any of these companies, Right. You would, if you're not familiar with the space, it's very difficult to do that.
0: I subscribe to um, Seeking Alpha, and like you said, uh, I, I'm not invited to the uh, to the earnings call, but they do have them recorded many times. I actually, you and I both being dyslexic, uh, I can't read through a quarterly report, so what I do is copy it um, out of Seeking Alpha, then move it over to my... Uh, word and put it on audio mm. and and the the computer reads it to me. I don't get the inflections in the voice, but it makes it you you just get a different feel for what the company is all about. And I think I think there's there's some real virtue in that. And I would challenge some of you who live in cities and you there's a company that you're interested in, call them up. A, a, ask them for a tour or ask them to to meet uh, the CEO and tell them you're interested in, in investing in them. And it's like when I was in the dating world, I realized the worst thing they can say
1: is no. And and I got plenty of those. Um, and well, I, would say, for- I would say do your research like crazy on the company. Before. Because, yes, before. Yeah. Because they don't really want to give a tour of someone like it's yeah. a brewery. And they're like, right. oh, that's how the hops okay. are made, right? You really, you can, if you can wow the founders of these companies or even just the investor relations teams, even the PR teams at a lot of these companies, they're quite receptive, and and you can just say, I yeah yeah I already know all about that product. You don't have to explain it to me. That's especially for the founders. That's their baby, and yeah. they love that someone else is sharing in that with them. Okay. And so if you do your research like crazy on a company, then and then you can go visit it. Then I do warn you that you can fall in love with the company a little too much sometimes, and that's dangerous for sure. Yeah. You need yeah. to have an exit strategy, um, but but most certainly you can learn so much more from, and there are videos on YouTube that you can find of a lot of these companies. They're all yeah. stepping up their, their PR yeah. and IR efforts. Yeah. Uh, and, and by the way, I don't know of any company that you can't listen to their earnings call live. Now you may not be able to get the dial in for that to actually ask, you know, press zero, mm-hmm. down zero, and then you can ask the question. Okay. But you can listen to them live, they're webcasts. Okay. Um, you just all do it right. through your computer, so okay. you can't do it through your phone.
0: All right, yeah. Well, that's, that's very, very interesting. In my portfolio, I basically allocate 60% to the big six and then about 40% to those companies. And in specific, I am directed towards uh, EV, robotics, um, and, uh, and, and uh, biotech. And I, I basically operate on the premise that I'm going to have a 50X in there and I'm going to have some minus Xs in there, too. Mm-hmm. But, but I've got to go after these young companies that aren't making money and that are spending money on research and that want to be a part of the future. Again, I think it was who was the Magellan Fund um, manager who said, uh, I want to invest in companies who are going to change the way I live. And and that that to me is the essence of investing. If if you're going to invest in the companies that are just going to keep you where you are, as you said, you might get a two x in five years.
1: Right. But uh, okay. And, and also geographic breakdown. Make a pie chart even on a napkin of of where your holdings are. And if that pie chart is almost entirely or is everything in American companies, diversify. Right. That's another issue that I have fought, and I've only come
0: past it recently, and that is I, was, I refused to invest in Chinese companies because I remember seeing videos where they had mining companies that they, they did put out their, their annual reports, but then when an investigator went, they found that there was nothing there, that there were factories, that there was nothing there you're apparently getting past that in that you're going to move your company there so that you but know... That
1: country's changed a lot, yeah. And it doesn't have to be just in Chinese companies, but uh, now these companies, they weren't even putting their annual reports out in English. Now they are. Okay. Uh, they weren't. Uh, they didn't even have... Some of these, but the trends, if you want to talk about transparency, the transparency in these Chinese companies, so, some in particular, are is crazy. For example, BYD has an investor hotline. Granted, this one's in Mandarin. Yeah. That during the trading hours, you can call and ask them any question they want. And they'll publish the transcripts of that call. Oh. And so talk about real retail reception. Anyone mm-hmm. can do that. Every single meeting that they have with outsiders in terms of investors, uh, they record down to the exact time the meeting started. And they release this every single uh, quarter, which, by the way, they don't even have to release quarterly. They can release semi-annually. They choose for further transparency, and they're not the only company. A lot of companies do wow. this now, uh, but they, they break it down to what conference room they were in and the minutes of that meeting. So I think it's because they're going a step beyond because they know what the rest of the world thinks of these Chinese companies and how it's going to be the next luck in coffee or it's going to be oh, to... Yeah, So, okay. you know, there, there definitely are some bad eggs out there, which is another reason why you have to do your own research. Mm-hmm. It's really important to do that. And I find it more exciting to, to do research on companies that aren't in the United States because everyone knows the companies in the United States typically. And uh, they're, they're kind of already tapped, right? The, if okay. you, the, the, the difference between the 50xers and the 100xers, that's probably by country. And honestly, 100xers don't exist right now. Okay. Uh, so that's the sad truth of, of it. But when they do, people need to be ready. And I'll tell you what, the big banks of the world, they're not, they're not looking for that. Because those companies are too small. If they recommended any, if they had any kind of research on a lot of these tiny companies, then they, every single person in their, all their clients would buy the stock and then they would own the thing.
0: So they okay. can't, right? So that's okay. why they wow. can only go yeah. after the
1: big ones. Okay. Um, so yeah, doing your own research, th- it pays off a lot.
0: Okay. Well, that gives you some guidance of how it's done by the big guys the big money, that's what we refer to you people as, uh, the big money, and us small money people need to adapt some of their, their tactics. And again, I believe that you should explore your city. See if there's something there that you can gain access to, even if it's just driving that by and, and familiarizing yourself with it. And then, like uh, we're talking about find their quarterly report, uh, and listen to it, and, um, and become knowledgeable. That's what will separate you from being an average investor and actually making a living, if that's what you choose, or enhancing your retirement. And our goal as best of us investors is to make good investment decisions. Something else I believe very strongly in is keep more of what you make, learn our tax code. Uh, There are some people who keep much more than most, and then take advantage of what our country offers us, and that is to pass $24 million on to our heirs, estate tax-free, that's per couple, and if they offer it, why don't you take it? Work to accumulate $24 million. Make that your goal, put it on your bathroom mirror, and it'll probably happen. Okay, thanks. Thank you so much. All right. Thank you, guys. (laughs) That's the rest of the (laughs) crew.